Accord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, the field on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get oh, my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I forgot. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that has not reneged on a fat NIL deal. That means it's time for Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusDecanton.com. That's Matt Bruning. I'm Austin Nace. Matt, when's the last time the two of us just did a show together? I, it's been a very it's long a time. Minute. Yeah, yeah well, it's been I, a minute. Ha- happy to have you know the OG filling crew here. Uh, on a prescient version of tonight's show, we're putting our money where our mouths are for 2023 Heisman Futures. We fess up to some mistakes that maybe we noticed in our rankings update this month, and we give you one player each that we are buying before spring camp start. But first, Matt, Jaden Rashada, the thing that everybody is talking about right now, the borderline four five star quarterback that was committed to Florida, signed his letter of intent on signing day. All was well with the world until it wasn't until it wasn't rumors swirling. Promised some sort of of sum of money from a collective. Apparently never going to get there. Um, And and so as a result, Jaden Rashada did not enroll in school and is not going to be going to Florida. He's asked to be let go from his letter of intent. Matt, there is a huge web of information, disinformation, rumors, myth, and some fact floating around too. What are we making of this situation right now? It's really hard for me to kind of figure out what I think about this because, as you mentioned, there's so much misinformation, I think, going around that I don't know who or what to believe. Um, I do believe he actually did get let out of his letter that just, I believe, got released just recently. So he is out of his letter, which I do think is the right thing to do by Florida. 
I, I will say a couple. I don't think you can blame Billy Napier for this. I've seen a lot of that. I think he gets the blame because he's the head coach. You know, fair, unfair on that side of things. Coaches get the blame or the, you know, the praise for success and they do get the blame um, for loss. But it's not like Billy Napier promised Jaden Rashad anything. At least I, w- I don't believe so. It sounded like it was all this, you know, whatever trumped up collective for this one person who said he was going to pay him this money. It didn't come through. I can't necessarily blame Rashada for that either. Personally, he's trying to get money. I, now you can argue the semantics on, does he deserve to be paid 13 million or not? I still find that to be astronomical when he's not considered by any of the services to like, even be up there with Nico and Nico's getting 8 million over four years as well. It's not like 8 million a year. He's supposed to get an 8 million over four years. And I believe the 13 was over four years as well, but still like, to see him get paid more than a guy who I believe is now on three's number one quarterback in the class. And Nico, like that's weird to me. I've some of the stuff I've read. It seems like his dad is driving a lot of this. And that's another reason why, like it's hard for me to put any real blame on Rashada right now, because if it's true that his dad is, is the one running all this stuff and trying to get him more money and, and was the reason he opted out of Miami and flipped to Florida, like, it's hard, I think, as a kid to say no to your dad, right? Like, if, if your father's driving a lot of this stuff, I, I don't know how much I want to put on Rashada. I really That's what happened with Cam Newton, right? Out. That's what yeah. happened with Cam Newton. Supposedly, he claims that his dad was running the whole thing, and that, that's why he ended up at Auburn. He didn't care to go there. So, it's happened yeah. before. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it worked out for Cam. Is it going to work out for Rashada right now? That's a thing I don't know. And I think that's where he might end up getting screwed. And that's what I don't like about this process. It's, it's, I don't want to say these kids should not focus on the money because I, I talked a little bit about this in my parting shot, probably three or four weeks ago. I don't remember now at this point, it was right around probably two weeks ago, right around the all American bowl where I believe it was on three release an article where they talked to a lot of these players. It was like 90% of them said that did not really factor into their decision. They wanted to go somewhere they could get developed. Yeah. The money was nice, but it wasn't a driving factor. It does feel like it's been a massive driving factor for Rashada. And I feel like it's going to end up shooting him in the foot. Cause it's like, where does he go? Like he can't go back. Can he even go back to high school? I don't know. Cause he was enrolled at Florida. He, I assume he's not taking classes at Florida can he even go somewhere to another university and sign right now? So what does he do now? Sit out till the end of the year and then enroll at another college. And now he's even further behind than what he was. Like, I think he's the one who gets screwed in this whole thing. And if it wasn't him and it was because of his dad, I, I, I think shame on him for doing this to your son. I, I don't know how you put money ahead of your son's future. Yeah. I want to ask you in, in a minute about, likely landing spots i don't think i have any good ones but i want to hear if maybe you have a couple of spots that you think uh could be handy for him there's a piece of news so we were discussing this in our slack last night i've actually been blaming rashada for a lot of this him and his dad like the the two of them i'm I'm just going to refer to the 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 family as rashada here for for all intents and purposes i think it's hard to separate who is the driving force that you kind of talked about uh there a second ago i've been kind of blaming rashada for all of this because it has seemed like money has driven a lot of his recruitment. You know, he committed to Miami. A lot of the guys that have gone to Miami have reportedly and probably factually gotten the bag in some capacity. We don't know how much, but they've got uh, uh, that attorney, uh, John Ruiz or whatever that's there that, that's writing all these checks. 
and then he he magically flipped and uh, to Florida after you know this this huge sum was was reported. So it it did sound like NIL was driving. And then as we got closer to this, it sounded like without having all the facts, it sounded like the Rashadas had demanded more money, like at the last minute, which is awful. And, and I th- like I was you know I was like you know th- these guys are money hungry like. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if this guy, if I'm in a C2C draft or a Debbie draft, why would I ever take this guy? Because it's clear he doesn't actually care about football. He cares about getting the money as fast as he can. Like we we saw, we've seen much better players than Jaden Rashada have money go to their head as soon as they get it in their hands than they get the NFL and never become anything. And then Edna Beast Mode, one of our data guys, uh, you guys all probably know him on Twitter, uh, uh, does a ton of really, really interesting work. Sent me a link to this athletic article that was written this week, and it had a really good timeline of events. And there was this piece of information that I haven't heard reported anywhere. And this is what really made me change my mind. And I think it will change your mind if you were on uh, the anti-Rashada side as well. Here's what here's what the, the article said. And th- this article on The Athletic, uh, it's, called, it's titled, How the $13 million Recruitment of Jaden Rashada for Florida Fell Apart. It was written on January 13th, and it's had uh, a couple editors' updates uh, since then. It has a whole timeline of the events, all the major players, all their names. It has everything leading up. And then here it says on December 7th, I, I had not heard this anywhere. It said, um, a termination letter regarding the $13 million contract or whatever sum it actually was uh, is sent to Rashada. There are conflicting accounts about why the deal crumbled and who pledged to pay what behind the scenes. Multiple conversations ensue between donors and athletic department members. Uh, some within the administration are only now getting up to speed on what was promised, a.k.a. this happened outside of Florida's purview, as it should be, per NCAA policy. The program was aiming to keep these third-party NIL dealings at arm's length. Yet these conversations ultimately focus on finding contingencies for keeping the class's highest-profile recruit in the fold. So there was a contract agreed to, and $13 million, $11 million, $5 million, whatever it was. And on December 7th, the collective realized or decided or, you know, figured out that they weren't going to have that actual amount of money in their pocket to give to somebody, and they canceled the contract. You can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. That's it's, – it's baffling that it even got to that point where they realized that whatever sum of money they'd promised, they didn't have. So I don't know how you can blame Jaden Rashada for all this. I, I Like you said, I don't think Billy Napier can be promised for this. This is – the the gator collective the the third party that's kind of hovering around the florida program that caused this whole mess for them so i i I can't blame the rashadas at all for this yeah that's why it it ends up and it's going to end up costing him that's the worst part about it because i mean you look at who he's from cat for those of you who don't know last year played in in Pittsburgh California so he's from the west coast there like what west coast team has an opening that he can go to right now like is it Arizona State cuz they brought in Drew Pine i mean they they have I'm so glad that's where you said cuz that's that that is the initial choice that comes to my mind okay like to me there's two in the Pac-12 that i think would be great spots for him obviously that is one Drew Pine now i do like, um, and I cannot remember now for the life, Israel Cardell, or, or Carter, but he does not have like the arm talent that Jaden Rashada has. Rashada would probably easily win that job. The only other one is Washington. And it's not, I mean, it's not California. Obviously, if he landed with Kalen DeBoer, that would be a good thing for us offensively. I feel like 
you could make a lot of similarities in his play to to Michael Penix with some of the the rawness in his game, but the the very good arm talent. Obviously, he's not a lefty, uh, but that would be the only other one. Like he's not going UCLA, not Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State. Like I don't know where else he's going to go, and that's my biggest fear with him is like this could end up screwing him in a massive, massive way. I don't think he goes. Chris Moxley's in the chat for those of you who end up listening to this in the podcast form. I don't think he's going to Oregon State. I mean, they got DJU this year. I don't year even think and, they offer. Like, I think they're happy yeah. with Childs and DJU. Like, that. that's the room. I, I don't think Personally, I think Childs is better yeah, a, as well. And, I mean, he's rated. He's actually jumped up and is higher rated than Rashad, I think, on every service now as well. So, I don't think that they would then go in and offer Rashad, Rashad as well. But it, Washington and, and Arizona State seem like they're big. Because, like, I well, I shouldn't say that he can't. I don't know his, uh, what's the word I want, his academic situation. So I don't know if he could go to a Stanford. That's the only other one that really doesn't have a quarterback like in mind. Like he, if he went to Stanford, probably start tomorrow. Uh, but I don't know his academics, if he could actually get into Stanford, not like trying to take a shot at him. Obviously, he should like 1% get into Stanford. So I don't know if he has that kind of academics to get in there. First off, just for anybody listening, the reason that we are looking mostly at West Coast schools is kind of a landing spot for him. It's kind of a cliche, but it is very it tends to work out more often than not. When these kids, the the or plan A doesn't work out, and usually it's like a year or two down the line. It's not you know a month after they sign their LOI. Players tend to kind of return back closer to home, families closer, you know, especially if they're a, across the country, as we just saw with DJU heading back to the West Coast. Uh, we, we've seen it countless times before here. So we think you know Rashada, you know, like Matt said from from uh, California, there being a West Coast guy just makes natural sense to start thinking about schools that are a little bit closer to home. I like the Washington call. Uh, Arizona State's been my choice for him. At Florida, he wasn't going to start this year anyway. They brought in uh, Graham Mertz uh, from Wisconsin there. I still think I, we, we've I've debated this many times already behind the scenes with some of the folks at C2C. I still think Mertz has a little bit of life left. Like I don't know that we really know what Mertz is at this point. We'll see if Florida can resuscitate him a little bit or not. And they have Jack Miller there. I think Rashada would have spent most of this year, if not the entire year, as the third-string guy. So it's not like he's looking for a place – like he was going to go to Florida and play right away. And now he's looking for like a, a another place to land that he's going to play right away. But I do think Arizona State makes a lot of sense. We just saw what Kenny Dillingham did with Bo Nix at Oregon. He's the offense coordinator last year before he, uh, he, got, he got his own opportunity to be a head coach. I think Arizona State actually has some interesting weapons there. Elijah Badger is still very, very intriguing to me uh, as a Debbie guy, as a CFF guy. Had a much better CFF season than I think people realized last year. Sit for a year behind Drew Pine. And then I think it's it's all systems go. They also brought in what Jacob Conover uh, from yeah. from BYU, like whatever. Um, that's not really going to be a deterrent at all, I don't think. So if Rashad is what we think he is, that that's that's not going to be an issue. So um, yeah, I mean, those are the ones that make the most sense to me. The only other one that I think has has crept into my mind a little bit, and I'm not sure if he's a fit here or not, would be BYU, who doesn't really have an obvious successor to Jaron Hall at, the, at this point. I'm not saying he'd go there and start right away. But I think him going there would be really, really interesting just because they've tended to be pretty functional on offense under the current regime. Offense yep. coordinator switched it up a little bit, but the head coach has kind of kept things rolling there. This is all guessing, by the way. There are no reports about anything yet. We're kind of just making these up. But I, I, I like all these spots for him out west. I think he could go to any of those, sit for a year like he was already going to do. And then hopefully get out on the field. And he reminds me, I've comped him a lot to Jaden Daniels. So Arizona State just kind of feels like the perfect spot to kind of follow up Jaden Daniels, who was there. 
Yeah, I mean, as, as I mentioned, so it does, it says right here, it was just about three hours ago that he was released from his NLI. So, I mean, I, I haven't, uh, I'd imagine he doesn't really know where he's going yet either. I think this has kind of been, it, it really seems like they were trying to do everything they could to, so he could stay at Florida. And it obviously just, just didn't work. And I don't blame him. Like I said, I, I honestly had not read that part of the, the story. So I, I did not even know about that. I knew that the, the money had fallen through. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't blame them at all for trying to figure out a way to at least make that work. And then when it didn't, uh, I would have done the same thing he did and, and requested my NLI release so that I could go somewhere else. Yeah. So the other funny part about this, there's a lot of things. And, and Shane just asked a question here that I'm going to get to in a minute. He said, does he go back to Miami again? Before I get to that, Florida really shot themselves in the foot because, you know, a lot of these programs, they want to bring in a guy every year. They're not all Ohio State where they're trying to bring in, like they're trying to hit the home run with the guy every year. But for most of these these teams, you know, you want to bring in a guy to kind of have backup options. Florida had another backup option on the roster. And for anybody that doesn't know this story, Marcus Stokes, who was an Elite 11 kid, I don't think he's a very good player. Like I, he had a really good junior year, but it, the rest of his high school career was very, very poor outside of it. I, I don't think that he's a Florida level player. But if you just want a body on the roster, Marcus Stokes was there. He had already committed before they got Rashada. And then magically, very shortly after Rashada committed there, um, they took they pulled his scholarship and they blamed it on him rapping along to a song on the radio when he was driving his car that had a no-no word on it. Now, granted, you can't say that word if you want to go look up the video. It's 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 a racial slur. You you can't say it. But he was just rapping along to, you know, it, it's a 17-year-old kid, like on the grand scale of usage of that word, this is probably low on the scale of offensiveness. They pulled the scholarship, and not only did they pull the scholarship, like this dude has not gotten, has not found a landing spot because they like totally destroyed this kid's like you know, reputation in the process. So first off, two middle fingers to Florida for doing that maneuver in the middle of all this. But now they don't have another quarterback on the roster, which I just think is quite frankly hilarious. Sorry, Alfred. Yeah, I mean to use that like. I... Not trying to say that it, I don't want to compare wrongs, so I'm not really sure how I want to yeah, word it's always this. Tough. Yeah, but we've seen players who have remained at schools after sexually assaulting women, after beating and robbing people, and the kid made an honest mistake. Like I don't think he realized in the moment, as you mentioned. You can, if you watch the video, you can clearly see he's literally singing the song. And then, like, the clip that got made viral is they literally just clipped him saying the word and then posted. Like, it was all over the place when that news first dropped. Like, he apologized about it immediately. It's not like he went out and incessantly called somebody. That's not like he has any history of that, as far as I know. I haven't seen anything else outside of him doing yeah. that. So to then just, like, in essence, pulling his offer and doing that kid that way, I agree. Like, I feel like they helped kind of push this down the – kind of, I don't want to say ruin his career because there are consequences to everything. Even if it wasn't, you know, a, it was a mistake. I don't think he did it on purpose, but there's consequences for every action. Like for that to happen, it's, yeah, it's not a, not a good look for Florida overall. In my yeah. Opinion. Just, just a little bit of karma. So let's get, let's get back to Shane's question here. Does he go back to Miami? I don't think that's, that deal is on the table anymore. Like yeah. I, so for, if anybody does not follow the, incestuous media bubble 
within the between the big three Florida programs, Florida State, Miami, and Florida. Um, things are at an all time low between <laughs> the relationship between all these people right now. Um, I don't think that's an option, especially with how it seems uh, John Ruiz is their, their big NIL benefactor. He seems like the kind of guy that once you screw him, like there's no there's no going back. So I I don't think Miami is a legitimate option for them. I think they actually they have Emory Williams in this class, who I think is a pretty good player. I think he's comparable to to Rashada. So I think they've already got their kid in this class, and they'll be happy with what they've got. Yeah, that's um, maybe. And I hate to put this on this part. I will put on Rashada because. This is where regardless of, you know, you know, we definitely want to blame Florida for what they did in pulling the deal, but he had a deal with Miami from what everything we read at the time was a substantial deal. I don't know if it was $30 million, but it was a substantial deal. And it wasn't even like a, Hey, I'm decommitted. Like he didn't pull a Dylan Rayola who just decommitted. And it's like, I'm going to weigh my options and all. He committed, he decommitted. And then like an hour later, like midnight announced he was going not only, to a different school, but a school in the same state that all, they all hate each other as, as Austin just mentioned in, t- in terms of screwing Ruiz as well. And the only way I think he would be able to go back to Miami and is no shot at Rashada. But if he was like a Malachi Nelson type prospect, because if you're that good, I guarantee all is forgiven at Miami. If you want to come back, they will say, Probably get him for right. cheaper too, at this point, right? Exactly. Like- hey, you know what? <laughs> bygones be bygones my friend we'll take you back this is not a shot at Rashada but I don't think he's at that level it's a lot of what you hear about at the NFL level right like how good you are depends on kind of the leash you have on some of the things that you're allowed to do what's the the famous Jimmy Johnson story of Troy Aikman is asleep or was asleep in the the film room they were quiet to make sure they didn't wake him up but if it was like the kick return and Jim, Jimmy Johnson go rip the chair out from underneath them to wake him up like Depending on how good you are, you're allowed a lot more leash, and I don't think that Miami's willing to now go back and try and bring him back in. Yeah, it just looks bad. You know, they, they they've basically spent the last month and a half now talking about how this whole thing has made Florida bad, and now they look like they're you know got dog walked back over to Jaden to offer him another deal. I don't think that works out. We have seen a lot of players this offseason, Matt. And I don't. This was not on the show sheet. I just want to ask you, like, how do you feel about these these guys that like flip from from a rival to another, like? Uh, uh, Trace Ford just did it where he went to Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. I think it's borderline unacceptable when you've been at a school for years. Uh, how do you feel about the, those flips like that? Kyle Ford did it, USC to UCLA. I mean, it's kind of gross. I don't mind it as much, I guess, because I view it from – I'm a big baseball fan, so like I see this happen a lot in baseball where like you have a player on your team for whatever, comes up through your system, and they leave in free agency to go to a team like a team you hate or whatever. I don't have an issue with it as much. I think it's makes for fun storylines when they get to play each other. And, you know, obviously you just mentioned Kyle Ford going to UCLA. I don't think UCLA beat USC this year. So, like, USC is probably just going to rub that in Kyle's face for doing that. Like, I just think it, it makes this more fun. Like, I mean, J.J. McCarthy's another one, right? Like, it, I mean, he didn't flip in essence of being at Ohio State, but him and, for those of you who don't know, him and Kyle McCord were committed to the opposite schools, and then Ryan Day said, no, I want Kyle, and offered him, and then J.J. got screwed and goes to Michigan. Well, honestly, he's kind of gotten the last laugh over Ohio State for the past two years. I think that makes for a more intriguing story throughout the college. So I don't mind it as much. Now, maybe if, you know... 
like, well, see, I don't even care if Quinn were to go somewhere else. I support Quinn. I guess if Kyle were to just like up today, like now nah, I'm going to Michigan, like maybe I'd get pissed off. What if CJ, what if at the end of this year, CJ Stroud, you know, was waiting, waiting, waiting to declare for the draft and at the last minute got a mega NIL deal to go play for Michigan? I would, I would love it because then I know Ohio State's winning next year because I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I've, <sighs> I don't know. It's hard to say what I would really think. I, I don't think I would care that much. I think the what's going on again. I, I know you're a massive fan of the NFL as well. You see it all the time in the NFL now. There's no loyalty. It, it's loyalty to you, which I don't necessarily have an issue with. Like, and I, it's never been like that at college football. But I think obviously with NIL and everything coming like that is what's coming. It's going to be loyal. Austin's loyalty is to Austin, not to Pitt, not to whomever. You know. So at the end of the day, I don't. Like I want to see my team win and I root for certain players that I like that I've, I have a chance to, you know, relationships with or, or players that like Quinshawn. I've never talked to him, but like, you know, he's a great player. I think he's good. Like you keep writing to him. He just hasn't. Responded. Yeah, he is not. I, what's a, uh, what's that? Uh, dang it. What's that? Uh, Eminem song. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that whatever it is, I forgot what it's called. But yeah, like I, I just, I, it doesn't bother me. I don't. I, maybe it, uh, it's just me. Maybe it's because of all my other sports fandoms and seeing it happen all the time. Now that it's kind of integrating its way into college football, I, I don't think it's a big deal. I hate it, and I actually think that it's one of the things that you like. Coaches should still be able to block transfers for a year if you want to go in conference. Personally, that's just me. Um, no, not even give the coaches the options. It should be a thing. Like if you go to school block. at a Pac-12 school, if you want to go to another Pac-12 school, that's fine. You have to sit the year. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's a whole different discussion for a whole other day. Wow. If Felix were here, he'd be yelling at you right Anti-player. now. You know, Anti-player. I'm a, I'm a dirty stuff. communist, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they have plenty of, of power now. Uh, we just we just talked about Jaden Rashada forcing his way out of Florida LOI, and yep. they had to do it because we didn't really talk about this. They had to do it because otherwise it would have looked awful for them. Oh, yeah. moving forward and they haven't had like a ton of luck recruiting recently no. so that's um, the only place i think you can blame napier is the recruiting class i don't think you can blame him for anything with rashada they got a couple kids but yeah overall the class is not particularly good uh, i don't think florida will be very good next year if i had to guess and we've been very staunchly uh napier's was not a good hire on the show i think so um we'll see how that ends up uh playing out here over the next couple of years uh before we talk some heisman odds matt um C2C is all over the place now. And we really need you guys to go ahead and subscribe and like and, and all those kinds of things to all the places that we are leaving reviews on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, on obviously we're on Twitter. We're on all these different places. Go ahead, check us all out. We try to divvy up some content among all those different places as well as just, you know, on campuscanton.com. Offseason starting off with a bang for us. We've already got a ton of content planned working on some guides. we got all sorts of really good stuff coming up. So go ahead, check everything over there out. Rates and reviews of the podcast, guys, really help. And it's not an ego thing. And it's not because we just want to We just want to count the reviews. We want to try to grow college fantasy. Give us a review. Give Debbie Deep Dive a review. And we just already got us in trouble once for naming these shows. Like, go your, find your favorite Debbie show and us. And leave a five-star review and say what you like about it. It bumps us up the charts. It bumps everybody up the charts. It gets this stuff in front of more eyeballs. People are just searching on Spotify or Apple. They're more likely to come across us. So go ahead, do that. And then hop in the comments here on the live shows, guys. We, you've already seen. We've already got a couple. Com- we've already gotten to a couple comments here tonight. As long as they are uh, uh, mostly on on uh, on topic, we will get to them. And if they're uh, 
funny enough, we'll probably get to them in an after show. So uh, yeah, go ahead and leave those comments while we're all chatting here. So Matt, you were on Better Sports last week. Yes. You and Chris, I, I enjoyed the show. I did get to listen to it. You guys talked some Heisman odds 2023. They've already released a lot of these. Um, a lot of inefficiencies in that market right now. You guys talked a little bit about that. Um, what what are you looking at? I know you've already put money out there, right? I have, yes, yeah. yes. What, what, have. what do you what do you have money on? So before I do that, I should I should address the the false narratives that I spread on that show, and I I, I want to apologize for anybody that listens. Uh, it has been confirmed Austin has seen Batman, so I just I just want to throw that out there, Thank you know, because you. You, you took some strays. We weren't sure you had actually seen the movie. You have seen it. I didn't want anybody to judge you unfairly, being like, how has this dude not seen the Batman movies? He has seen it. Tell the guy I've got there, got you at gunpoint. He can leave now. He's, you can leave good. now. Thank you. Yeah, I knew, I knew you had seen the new one because I remember you said you didn't like it, which we're not going to rehash that argument right now because it's a good movie, but regardless. Um, so when me and Chris talked about this, I looked at it more as players that I think could get into the playoffs, looking at these Heisman odds. I, you know, to me, Right now, Caleb Williams is sitting at six to one. Like, that's just a wasted money. I don't think, until someone proves me wrong, I don't think we're ever going to see a, another two time Heisman winner because we've seen guys be really close. And then it seems like the voters have purposely made sure that they don't get that award. So I don't think we're going to see it again, regardless of the year Caleb could possibly have. Drake May is obviously right now, he's actually the favorite. I thought Caleb Williams was more than him. He's sitting at five to one. So you can't put money on him. And is what it is. I'm looking for like, as as Moxley put it, the get bang for my buck. Like, what's a bet that I can make that could end up really cashing out for me? So I went through and I looked through a lot of of different players. Shane is in the chat saying uh, Michael Penix. I like that. My issue with any of the Pac-12 guys is I don't see a real strong team in that conference, and I feel like they're going to end up a lot like this year and just beating up on each other and not practically knocking themselves all out of the playoff race again like they did this year. So, like, you know, Michael Penix was sitting at 12-1, to 1, Bo Nix 12-1. to 1. Like, If you really want to bet on one of those guys, that's fine, but I think there's a realistic shot. None of those Pac-12 teams make it into the playoffs. So I went a little bit further down the list, and I know – it's going to sound like me being me, but Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers were the two that I really landed on because, and, and I posted a little bit because I'm not going to lie. Like I wasn't all in on the Quinn is at 25 to one uh, McCord's at 20 to one. Uh, the Ewers talk until Chris convinced me and like diving deep into the stats. Cause I did not even know that he finished in the top 20 of a lot of these advanced stats, having a quote unquote bad year. And you talk about how, the Big 12 probably on its way down still. I, I don't think TCU is repeating as, as the conference champions there. An improved offensive line. All those freshmen now a second year in that system. Quinn a second year in that system. More weapons coming in. We talked about what we think Jontae Cook could be. DeAndre Moore coming in. Jordan Whittington coming back. I don't know. Adonai Mitchell? Yeah, there's rumors that he's coming. Did, is he confirmed coming or is that just still rumors? At this he, point? he entered the portal. So, yeah, okay. I mean, where he ends so, up, nobody knows, but yeah. Mitchell could be coming over there. So, you got another speed threat on the outside there. You got Jatavian Sanders at, at tight end. And look, I love Bijan. Like, I don't know that it'd be a, it's going to be a massive replacement with Jonathan Brooks and possibly Cedric Baxter back there. Like, you're not, it's not going to be Bijan, but I don't think you're taking a massive loss having both those guys who I think are good running backs. So, I think Quinn is able to take Texas into the playoffs and be good that name value matters as well. Like people want to see him succeed. And I will say, 
surprisingly, for all the hate that I've seen on him over the past couple months about how he's not a good quarterback, I posted that poll earlier today to see who everybody would vote on. So it's gotten just over 200 votes at this point, and Quinn is winning at 39% over Cade Klubnik, who's got 34%. I personally do not think Cade Klubnik is a good bet, but that's if you're just going on the odds, they probably will make the playoffs. They've got a good shot, so that's fine. I, I like the hire of Garrett Riley. I'll be intrigued to see. I want to see it before I believe in Kate. I don't know that he's going to necessarily do it. And then Kyle, it's it's the same argument for Quinn. Like, obviously they have to get over Michigan, and I do think Michigan is should be considered the best team in the Big Ten right now. But if an Ohio State quarterback goes through undefeated and gets into the playoffs, I think there's a realistic shot you're looking at them winning a Heisman. It, it, I don't. They're not going to do it on the back of Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. It's going to be on the back of the passing game, which in essence, if it's common court or Devin Brown, who I think was, I think I want to say Chris said he was like 500 to one or something. So if you want to take the shot on Devin Brown too, like I'm fine with that. If you think Devin Brown's going to get it, the one outside one uh, for me a little bit down the list not much on this. He's in that same area that I've been looking at. Um, I said that I think they have a chance to be the best offense in the Big Ten this year, and I know Felix had them as a top-five offense. That's Drew Alar. Because I do think we could see again with the – I think college football is going to be more – we're going to see a little bit more parity again this year. Like, I, I, maybe Alabama takes that step forward we're expecting with Ty Simpson, who would also be a good bet at 40-1. to one. But I think there's a lot more parity. I think if Penn State is able to beat either Ohio State or Michigan, even if they don't win the Big Ten, I think we could see them have a shot to pull off what happened this year and two Big Ten teams making the playoffs. And if Drew Alar is able to turn that Penn State offense into something decent, I think there's a good shot that they're going to be a very good team. Because that defense lost a couple pieces, but not a lot. And they've added a couple interesting wide receivers in the portal. Like, I know we're not super thrilled about them going there, but I wonder if that's because we view this offense through the eyes of what Sean Clifford has been and not the eyes of what Drew Alar could be. And if he reaches his ceiling in his sophomore year, like I or not his ceiling, but takes he goes above Sean Clifford's ceiling, which in my opinion is not very high. You're talking about like the cottages in uh, the uh, Hobbit Village in Lord of the Rings. Like it, it, Sean Clifford's ceiling is not that high. I think he has a shot to win. I think he's sitting at 25 to one. So those are like the three. I did put money on Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers. I didn't put anything on a lot, but those are the three that like stand out to me. What, uh, what, which ones stand out for you? Yeah. Alar, Alar feels like a year too early as does Kate Klubnik. I think those would be guys that could challenge in year three. I agree with your assessment on Drake. May I think UNC loses at least four games next year. I think that's, that's toast at that point. It's just basically impossible. I still think that there is room for Caleb Williams. I know you said don't bet on him. They didn't make the playoff this year, and he still got it. So there is room for improvement, unlike some of these guys that like like you know have won the national championship. And it's like, well, okay, what, what does he do the next year? Like, I, I I don't really know how can he can improve. Caleb Williams could conceivably do that. So I don't want to write Caleb Williams off, even though that's not where I would be putting my money. I think Jordan Travis is interesting at Florida State, but again, I think. Uh, I like them next year, but I end up. I, I think Clemson ends up just beating them out for the ACC. I think it'll be it'll be tight, so I can't quite give the nod there. I've actually got some names that aren't on the list okay. that I think are good value. Let's talk about 2023 potentially being the year of the running back. And I'm not talking about Blake Corum because I think he's going to split a lot of those touches next year at Michigan. It's going to make it really hard for him to win. I think Quichon Judkins is a really interesting play at Ole Miss if they can if they maintain their ground and pound type style. 
they don't have a crazy difficult schedule and out of conference they play Mercer, Tulane, Georgia Tech and ULM. Like not not a murder's row there and then in conference I mean you have Alabama, you have LSU but you also have Arkansas, Vanderbilt, uh, Mississippi State I think will take a step back. Like they they've got some some games there that are that are um rushable and I think you know Judkins uh, uh can shoulder that load. We'll talk about whoever gets the starting running back job at, at Alabama. It's obviously not a job uh, a bet that I'm making today. Like there's a decent chance that Alabama is more rushing driven next year than they are passing just by the fact that you know we we don't feel great yet about Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, two guys that do have Heisman odds floating around out there. And then the other one, the other one. And this is going to sound a little bit crazy and obviously again, not on the list. You would have to – some of these books will like you, – if you ask for odds, they'll give them to you. That's how Joe Burrow's dad won a shit ton of money on Joe Burrow going in his senior year because that summer he he requested odds and got them. What about Branson Robinson at Georgia? They're going to have Carson Beck starting at quarterback. Carson Beck's not going to win the Heisman. Brock Bannegriff's on this list, and he's like the third-string <laughs> quarterback. So, like, that's yeah. stupid. Don't, don't burn your money there. I don't think Kendall Milton is a good enough running back to keep a really good running back off the field. And he can't stay healthy anyway. I think we saw a little glimpse of what Branson Robinson is in that national championship game. Sure, TCU was worn down, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? He came in there, was dragging dudes like five, six, seven, eight yards downfield, was moving piles, looked explosive, looked fast, looked powerful. Like just, he looked really, really good. I don't know that it's outside the realm of possibility that it's essentially like two backs there next year. And Branson is, is like a, uh, a, a 1700, 1800 yard, like total guy between receiving and rushing. Like that just, that it, it, they're led by him. That wouldn't shock me at all. So th- those are just some like outside of the box here names. I'm really surprised Judkins isn't on this list for how productive he was last year at Ole Miss. I guess maybe people think it's a fluke. Ole Miss is supposed to be, bad i think that i don't think they'll be worse than they were last year i wonder if it's just because they don't expect him to be that good like so the reason i went with the quarterbacks i went with is again i think it's going to lend itself more to guys at least what i think based on the voting we've seen the past couple years it's like players who make the playoffs because hendon hooker realistically had no reason to not be there until tennessee lost that second game blake quorum same thing like the guys that they put in stetson bennett about Joe Milton, those guys. About Joe Milton? That, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if he's on the list. I didn't look. I he mean, is. Yeah, he's twenty to one. So yeah, I mean, I think they've got a little bit harder schedule this year than they did last year. But yeah, I mean, if Tennessee is able to replicate what they did, absolutely. I that's just the way I looked at it. Though, it was like I'm looking at quarterbacks who can make the playoffs. I just feel like that skews the voting for whatever reason. We've just seen it the past couple of years. If you're in the playoffs, it seems you're making the Heisman ceremony. It really haven't seen that outside of like. Who was the last? What was it? Lamar was probably the last one who won it with yeah. like multiple losses on his schedule. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my fear, and that's honestly why I was a little bit worried about Caleb because that offense. Like I, I know we love Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon. I don't know if he one of those guys going to step in day one and be Jordan Addison though, and he was very good for them at least the beginning part of the season before he ended up getting injured. You know. I haven't seen Mario Williams take a step forward. I don't know what to think about anybody else in that wide receiver room. I don't think that defense is getting any better this year. I I know they're bringing in some transfer guys, but that defense is really bad. They have a really tough stretch toward the end of their schedule where they go at Notre Dame, 
followed up at Utah. Then they get a somewhat break. This is all back-to-back, back-to-back weeks, by the way. Then they go at California, which, granted, that's probably not going to be hard. But then they get Washington at home before then turning right back around and going to Oregon, then UCLA. That's a tough stretch to pull off all those wins. And they realistically should have lost more than one game last year before getting to the to the the Pac-12 championship. That defense had a lot of turnovers. And again, like they don't beat Oregon State without whoever I think it was Chance Nolan was scoring. Well, I don't think it was Bengal Branson. Yeah, Chance Nolan throwing four interceptions in that game. Like I have no doubt Caleb is going to be good. This is not a shot at Caleb. It's more I don't think USC is going to be challenging for the playoffs. But I could be wrong. I said that they weren't this year, and they were had they not lost to Utah. I just don't think that that team's defense is going to take a step enough forward. And I do think Sam Hartman at Notre Dame all of a sudden makes that a much better game. Utah is bringing back everyone but Dalton Kincaid, but they're getting Keithy back, right? Washington and Oregon just brought back their starting quarterbacks and have all those weapons and everything returning. Like All of these teams, in my opinion, are getting better or staying stagnant, and USC is getting worse. That's my biggest fear with USC and Caleb Williams is why I personally would not bet on him. But I, I like I said, I don't, I don't think you're wrong in your in what you were saying. But I just that's the way I looked at it when I looked at their schedule. Was like I, I don't know that they are in the Pac-12 championship next year with one loss or zero losses and a chance to make it to the playoffs. Real quick, Shane asked what were Shipley's odds. Shipley's not on the list. I don't know at this stage that that's a place that I'd want to put money. But I mean, Clemson could make the playoffs. So I mean, I, I I don't I don't know. I, Clemson's offensive line is still going to be tricky. Yeah. Like TCU this past year had the most experienced offensive line in the country. It was like a bunch of six-year dudes that had been there for forever. So I think expecting Riley to do exactly what he did this past year at TCU is probably slight. Which is again why I said I think I like Cade year three a little more when they can get a little more uh, continuity there. One other quarterback, real quick, Matt. Um, Connor Wegman is not on this list at all. Yeah, and I get like I, we I, I've crapped all over Texas A and M. We we've all crapped all over Texas A and M. Like I don't want to see them succeed. Whatever they're doing is just grimy and gross. Uh, I don't like Jimbo. I, I think their fans are weird. I don't I don't like any of them. Like I there's just so many things to dislike about Texas A and M. But we talked about this either last show or the one before that where they're bringing in Bobby Petrino, like a legitimate offensive coordinator at this point. And Wakeman was pretty sharp last year in the limited appearances he had. They have receivers there. Like, I don't know that it's the most outrageous thing that Texas A&M wins nine games next year, and Wegman looks really, really good kind of at the center of that. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if Wegman's – but I, I think he should – Jeff Sims is 50-1 to 1 on this list. Yeah. Like, if Jeff Sims is 50-1 – to 1, Jeff Sims sucks, and he's at, what, Nebraska next year? Like, yeah, Connor yeah, Wegman should, should, should be on the list. I mean, if he's not, like you just said, ask for the odds, maybe throw like 20 bucks down. The, the I think the the only thing with him is obviously being in the SEC, it's it's a very difficult schedule. I'm with you. You know, you talk. I think it was last week, you talked about the top five offenses. You brought that up because of Bobby Petrino. So I just went to look at their schedule really quick. I mean, they start off the season at uh, the – North Mexico Lobos, or new, sorry, New, new Mexico. I don't know why I said North Mexico. New Mexico Lobos, probably not a hard game. Then they go to Miami next week. Then they get uh, Louisiana Monroe, but then they get Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, a break, and then Ole Miss. That's rough. South That's Carolina the one good. thing. 
No, but I mean, still probably packed into all there. I mean, they get Spencer Rattler back. They did put 60-something on Tennessee, but it's more of just like the fact that you're going, I mean, Arkansas, you know, they're still a, a SEC team that will challenge you. They're bringing a lot back. You go, you know, them, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, who might be okay this year. Like, it's just a, it's a very hard schedule. But, I, I mean, they were – what was it? They were a top team to win the national championship last year. And I do think that they're getting better. So I do not think that that's a bad bet to make. Uh, what I want to say on Shane's thing real quick, I'm not putting any odds really much on a running back like Shipley, not, not any offensives. I do think he's a good player, but like, I think a, a guy like you have to have like an almost an historic running back season to, to win the Heisman. I don't think Shipley's doing that in that offense. So like, like Blake Corum, I think last year, had he continued, probably would have made it to the ceremony. I don't think he was going to win it, even with them beating Ohio State. I think you have to have like an amazing season as a running back to win it. Carson Steele, sleeper. Bring it on. Hey, uh, I'd be later. here for it. All right, so uh, wrap up the show here, Matt. We at C2C are spending the entire month of January really cleaning up our rankings. I'm admittedly like, so I've I've replaced a lot of the players that you know have gone. I've deleted out all the seniors or guys in the NFL draft, and then we have to go through and kind of you know the way our system works is like if a player transferred, we got to go find the new version of that player in the system and pull them in. So I've been, I've been doing all those things. I only feel really good about a lot of positions through like. 35 or 40 and they'll kind of flesh out some of these things as the offseason goes on like i don't have i'm not ashamed to say that at this stage like i just don't know with some of these guys like you get to like like i'm just looking at like my wide receivers right now and, and tell me like once you get to these like what am i supposed to do with with tory horton with wesley grimes with mcconkey with ania smith at texas a&m with elijah badger with jeremy bernard who transferred to washington from michigan state like i what am i supposed to do with any of that i, I don't really know they're all in the same range but like I wouldn't feel good recommending one or the other over each other, really. But I have found some mistakes, like just flat out, like players that I just had completely incorrect as I've been going through these. I'm assuming you've found at least a couple too, Matt. I know you did a big yeah. rankings thing on Campus Life this week. I mean, who have you found that you were just like, oh, God, like glad I'm glad I'm finding this now and not three weeks from now or three months from now. So a lot of them were guys that like – a couple of them were players like I had really high. I talked a little bit about it. If you haven't listened to Campus Life, definitely listen to it. It was a lot of fun, me and Colin, doing that uh, doing that episode. But, like, we talked a lot about this process. It's not um, – we, we're not. I'm not trying to, like, ask for pity. It, it's a grueling process in a way. There's a lot we have to do on the back end. And I did know that Colin did his the way he did, and I have to give him props. Like, his is really actually sounds like a smart way, and I may try and transition to that because what I do – is I typically go down the list and I find players that I'm like, nah, he should not be here. Move him up, move him down. So as I was going through and doing the same thing you did, um, one of them was like, I still had Jade on blue is like what, running back eight at the end of the year. That was like a massive oversight on my well, part. Well, I mean, we were holding out hope in the bowl game, right? I mean, like, holding out hope like... is fine. RB eight. That's a little too high. Like I probably could have dropped him down to like the twenties. Uh, so he was one. Obviously, the the Ty Simpson and Cade Klubnik ones, like both of those. Even I did move Cade up after we saw him play a little bit. He went from, I believe, QB 60 to like QB 30. But I still feel like QB 30 was probably too low. Ty Simpson was still down at like QB 52 uh, until I did my recent update. And now he's up in, I think I moved him up into like, like QB 12 territory, which I still don't even know if I feel good about that. He's actually QB 9. Uh, and I don't know how good I feel about that because, you know, 
there's still a shot that I think Jalen Milrow can win the job. And at that point, like, why do I have Ty Simpson at QB nine? Uh, so he was another one for me. Um, and then two guys that I, I definitely had ranked way too high that should have been moved down earlier. DJ Allen, I still had in my top 24, never taking a snap. Like he should have moved down slowly. And then I didn't even realize I had Mookie Cooper in my top 60. Like, I didn't even realize that guy still plays football at Missouri because I've not seen him do anything Mookie in who? over. Yeah, exactly. He was still in my top 60. So he has been dropped. I think he's now like wide receiver 120. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on the, I mean, you just brought up the wide receivers. Like I'm looking at my quarterbacks and like after quarterback, and I'm just going to say quarterback 31. Cause that's where I have Aiden Childs. Like, I don't feel great about any of them. And I think 31 stretching it a little bit, really. I'm talking about my top 24. I feel good about. And then outside of that, like, yeah, I'm taking about some of the freshmen, but eh. I don't know why, but it just feels like it's a lot harder to rank a lot of these positions this year than it has been the past couple years. Wide receiver, I don't like. Running back, I'm really not a fan outside of like my top 15, 20. Like it's, it's interesting right now trying to rank these guys and how I really feel about some of these players. I really like RB up to 19. I have Justice Haynes at 19. And then after him, it's like, it, it's, it's another, it's, you know, Kendall Milton, Byron Cardwell, George Petaway, Jarquez Hunter. Ollie Gordon, yeah, I don't like feel great about any of those players. So I uh, I feel you there in terms of trying to to figure uh, well, some of these guys out. Speaking of bad, I don't know if it's a book to see who I added RB nineteen Raymond Davis baby. Let's go. No, I you don't. 15, so I do. You he don't have Raymond Davis right at running there, back nineteen. Raymond Davis, Kentucky running back nineteen, right behind Carson Steele. UCLA running back. He may move down. Oh, I don't know. You have Steel like, higher than me too. Interesting. I man, I I don't buy into him not being the guy. I think he's going to be just fine. I don't know about his NFL future, but I mean, like you know, who can I move up over him? You know, I don't even know. Kendall. I actually have Kendall Milton below both those guys. Uh, Jadon Blue. Like, no, I'm not moving him up. I I like where they're at. I'll bet on Raymond. He almost won me a championship. Hmm. Almost, huh? Almost. Um, a guy that I well, I, I I've had trouble ranking a lot of guys. I don't really know what to do with um, uh, the quarterbacks are tough. I, I've dropped Grayson McCall a lot. You guys talked about it on that show the other day, and it actually made me bump him a few spots more. Where like he's losing his his you know head coach, the guy that you know, Jamie Chadwell, the guy that really designed that whole offense. Not a lot of weapons still there for him. He tried to transfer. Like, I think it was mostly a, a grade slash. Uh, he has a weird major issue that he couldn't land somewhere, but like he's stuck. He can't. Couldn't go to Auburn and and you know improve his draft stock. So he's a guy that I, I I've been fading. I don't know what to do with a guy like Garrett Nussmeyer that I think. Like I, I said this last offseason, it didn't happen, but I, I think that he can get that job at LSU from Jade Daniels. Like I, I think he can compete for it. He looked good. So like, I don't know what to do with him. I was, I was too low on Riley Leonard. I had him in like the forties or fifties. I bumped him up. I don't think he's a legitimate Where, NFL quarterback. Go neither ahead. do I. Where'd you, where'd you put him? Cause Colin had him at 60. I had him in around the forties as well. I bumped him up high. I have him 28. Okay. I have him at 24. Have? I have okay. a 24. We're, we're, we're close to each other. I have him like right here. Here's, Here's who I have in the 20s at quarterback because it is difficult once you get here. I have the 20 is Austin Reed. 21 is Jalen Daniels at Kansas. 22 is Michael Penix. 23 is Jordan Travis. 24 is Gunnar Stockton. I still wouldn't count him out getting the Georgia job. 25 is Bo Nix. 26 
Uh, Baron Morton, again, another guy. I don't know if he gets that job, but he's going to compete for it. And he's young, 27. Jaden Delara at Arizona. And then 28, Riley Leonard. Then I have Sam Levitt right behind him. That's kind of the range. Leonard, I like at Duke. I just don't see – we talked about this. Like, it is somewhat difficult to tell, especially from broadcast view. And we we are lucky enough that we can get our hands on quite a bit of all 22 as the offseason goes on on some of these guys. It's really tough to tell on broadcast, but Riley Leonard just looks like an awful processor. Like, hangs onto the ball way too long. Felix talked about it on uh, Waldman's show that one time, where what is like breaking the egg, where he, you know, you pull the, they're pulling the ball away and he keeps kind of patting it with his hand because, like, he's not sure when he wants to pull the trigger. There are plays where he'll, he'll like roll out to the right, which means automatically the play was designed for him to roll out the right. They've cut the field automatically in half and more likely almost in the third. The place that he's throwing is going to be on that right sideline. And he's like, like, you know, can't can't get rid of the ball, like still kind of like pump faking because he doesn't want to get rid of it. And the guy's wide open running to the sideline. Like, I, I just think he's he mentally cannot play the position at a high level. Like, I think you know, th- what he's doing now is is what his level is. So but he's a guy that I was too low on regardless. No, I, I agree with you. Me and Colin had that conversation on Campus Live. And I, for me, I was like, I because I, I agree with you. I think we both said we don't think he really has an NFL future. But if you can get that kind of production, he finished, I believe, as Colin said, QB8 on the season. If you can get that for a couple more years on the CFF side, I think it's kind of worth taking him in the 20s because I don't know that you get that value before. And if he doesn't end up an NFL guy, that's fine. Like, he helps you out on your CFF side. So, but I mean, I mean I'm with you. He's... It's a tough range. I mean, you mentioned a lot of the guys. I still I have all those guys in the same area. I think the only difference is I have them a little bit higher on some of the freshmen, which, I mean, I talked about last week. I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive on those guys. I have Austin Novus at 25, Jackson Arnold at 26. I have oh, I Sam have Levitt at 20. I have, I have Arnold at 15. Okay, I have Sam Levitt at 20. Those, those are the guys that are kind of like all in my uh, – and then Arch, I think Arch is at 19. So like those are the guys, but I see I have Penix higher than you do. I, I have him at 16 because I mean, I think he's going to be good for Washington this year. I think if he has another year like that, he's probably going to get day two drafts capital. And at that point, I, it matters somewhat for your NFL side. So, yeah. What's up, Dwight? Checking in there. De- uh, the uh, the draft report going to be uh, coming out here soon. Episode's going to be start rolling to that daily draft report, guys. So check out the podcast feed. Dwight um, took it over last year and did a really good job. So excited to see. Uh, what happens this year um I, I have one guy that i want to ask you real quick where you have him ranked and then we can kind of okay. touch on this last topic real quick what are you doing with walker howard was a five-star quarterback last year for anybody doesn't know went to lsu i said multiple times in multiple shows this guy will never play a snap for lsu and guess yeah. what never played a snap for lsu transferred out tc or uh, Ole miss is going to go there compete for that job with jackson dart I have him like in the seventies right now. Cause I just like, I wow. he was just like, a t- I was like, I'm not going to waste a pick on this dude. Like he's never playing. There. Yeah. I don't want to guess where he ends up. I had him as like QB 15 or 18 in last year's class. Anyway, like I didn't love the guy, but I Ole Miss is kind of intriguing to me. I, I have no idea what to do with him. So I have him at QB 36 right now in oh, all okay. honesty. That was because I thought he was going TCU as I talked about on the campus life episode. So yeah. I had, he was probably down at like the nineties or hundreds. I have a 120, I'm sorry, 119 ranked college quarterbacks. 
He was probably, holy crap. Talking about players uh, that we should definitely not have, I had Garrett Nussmeyer 110, so he's going to get moved up here really quick. I don't know how I missed that one. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, I have Walker Howard here at 36, right with Aiden Childs, Tyler Van Dyke, Garrett Schrader, DJU, Pierce Clarkson, Devin Leary, Grayson McCall, Gunnar Stockton. Yeah, he's in that range for me. Uh, and a lot of that is I expect he's probably going to get that job after Jackson Dart goes. And I don't think he's a horrible quarterback. Like, I think he's fine. Like, I made the comparison on campus. Like, I think he's a little bit better than what Max Dugan was. And I look at what Max Duggan was able to do with TCU. I thought, you know, he could be that. I think he's going to be a very efficient, decent passer. I don't think he's going to be any – I don't think he's going to be much worse than what Jackson Dart is. Ben, I think Dart's better than what people give him credit for. So I think he can go in there and efficiently operate that offense. So, I mean, I, I'm not probably not going to move him much further off the spot I have him now that he's going to Ole Miss. I see you try to sneak a question on here to sneak a second Kyle McCord discussion into the show. We are not going oh, yeah, to do yeah, that yeah. today. No, We're not going to talk man. about a bold ranking that you think you'll be proven right on because your answer I Top see five. written is Kyle McCord. We're not we're not doing that again today. But I do want to ask you real quick to give me just one player, if you had to choose one, that you, you're going to try to buy before spring practice starts and you think some hype starts building and, and you would tell other people to try to go buy before spring practice starts. Yeah, I mentioned this player on Campus Life, um, and I did a little bit more digging because I wanted to see, you know, it was one of those I just kind of made a claim, didn't do super much digging into it, and now that I have, I like it even more. Love those. Love those. Um, and it's a guy that I liked and probably not going to have much of an NFL future, as we talked a lot about. The year one zero theory has been proven to be pretty accurate. C.J. Williams is transferring to Wisconsin. They really don't have anybody in that room. Tanner, I mean, they have Skylar Bell, whatever. Like, I get it. We were trying to hype up someone at Wisconsin. I don't think any of those guys are necessarily good. None of them at least have the recruiting pedigree that C.J. Williams has. We all know that Phil Longo has these high-powered offenses, and you're like, you, you want to have a part of that. Tanner Mordecai coming over there, I think, gives them, again, a very good quarterback behind. Went and looked it up. There's a top eight offensive line last year. Most of those guys are coming back. Probably going to be a really good offensive line again this year and moving forward for at least next year with C.J. Williams be there. Defenses have to respect the run game and having Braylon Allen there. But I want to look at what these wide receivers have done the past couple years with Phil Longo as offensive coordinator. So I went and looked at UNC first. And in 2022, this past year, his wide receiver ones were scoring on an average of 19 points a game and his wide receiver two, 12 Last year, his wide receiver one's a much bigger difference, 21 points per game and nine for the wide receiver two. Then I went back to Ole Miss to look and see what he was done there. For those of you who don't know, he was there. In, I can't remember what the stop was in between, uh, but there was one stop in between Ole Miss and um, uh, North Carolina where he's not technically an offensive coordinator, so I did not look at the stats of what those players do. If you go back to Ole Miss in 2018 and 2017 with Matt Luke as head coach, his wide receiver ones in this offense were scoring 21 points per game and the wide receiver two 15 points per game. And in uh, 17, his wide receiver ones were scoring 22.5 points per game and his wide receiver twos 14. And if you go look at Luke Fickle, he actually passes the ball on 52% of the time. Now, granted, that was with Mike Denbrock, and I don't remember who the – he was their old QB coach that was the offensive coordinator last year with Cincinnati. So it's going to be different, but Phil Longo done through, has not run the ball at all, and Luke Fickle, to me, does not seem like the head coach that's bringing somebody in to then tell them, I want you to run this type of offense. So I think we're going to get the full-on 
Phil Longo offense in Wisconsin. And again, that air raid type concepts, nobody's doing that in the Big Ten. And I don't know how many of these defenses are going to be super prepared for it. C.J. Williams is a raw prospect, but I just think with everything combined there, the offensive line, the quarterback, the system, no real competition in that room, and he's already there, I think he's got a shot to be a sneaky good wide receiver this year. He's a guy that would be willing to – because what are you going to get? Like, what is it going to cost you? Could I get him for like a 10th-round supplemental pick, 11th, 12th, 13th? A throw in, not I guarantee I could not after today. Not after nah, no, nobody listens to me, they listen to you guys. So, if you're listening, if you do want to listen to me, like I, you can even get him jinx. in a throw in right now. So, I he's a guy that I'd be willing to go by. I actually think I think Skylar Bell might be more intriguing just because he that's fair, but was already there last year. But, um, regardless, I like that. Um, another freshman wide receiver that left their, their home, Chris Marshall, is a guy that I think is really interesting. I know Ole Miss didn't pass the ball super well last year. They also didn't have great wide receiver play uh, outside of Mingo, who who was injured for part of the year. I think Chris Marshall uh, made a dumb mistake, but again, this is on the on the scale of mistakes. You know, this is this is close to like Marcus Stokes's like you know, a lapse in judgment one time probably doesn't mean they're a bad person. Um, you know, with with the with the weed at, at Texas A and M, so I think he's going to go there. Probably the best wide receiver. I bet he steps in there right away and, and can become a guy there. We'll see if it's with Dart or with Walker Howard or they brought in um, uh, somebody else too, Sawyer Robertson, right? At quarterback, did they? I, I they may have. I don't remember seeing That's, that. That sounds right to me, but uh, don't don't quote me on that. So he's he's a guy that I think uh, I probably am buying. I wasn't that high on him last year. Like I, I didn't think he'd be great at Texas A&M and I still, like I would probably wouldn't be buying him if he was still there. Cause there are just so many other guys, there, bodies to climb over, but yeah, Ole Miss, I think, uh, I think that's a good spot for him. So I don't have all the data that you have. I just, you know, think, uh, six, six, three, one ninety runs like a deer. Sure. Why not? You know, Felix accused me of not being prepared. So I figured I'd, I'd actually prepare tonight. I did hear that. And I, I liked the meme that I saw, uh, floating around. Um, well, I think that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We did have him uh, uh, hanging out here today. He was actually more excited because Felix wasn't here, uh, but we can't get him on. Uh, we will get him rescheduled. Um, check out everything that we've got going on, again, over at campusdecanton.com. We'll check in with you guys later. That's from Matt Bruning and Austin Nace. Good night and good luck.